0: Welcome back to Untitled Investment Talk, our podcast about all things around digital assets for institutional and professional investors. Our topic today is DeFi, decentralized finance, one of the hottest topics in the cryptocurrency space these days. Uh, We've seen almost 10 billion US dollars total value locked into DeFi protocols and definitely that's worth talking about. And I'm really happy to talk to Simon, my colleague, who is a really DeFi specialist. We record this episode today, which is September 2nd, 2020. And uh, it's important to note the date, because when you listen to it, since the space moves so fast, some of the things we've discussed here might have further developed uh, already. And the second thing I would like to mention at the beginning uh, we talk about our general market observations here. What we think, what our personal opinions are about the DeFi space. This is by no means investment advice. In terms of for your own investments, you need to make up your mind yourself and find the right investment for you. Okay, so let's start the show now. Simon, happy to have you here. When I'm thinking about DeFi, the person which comes to my mind is you.
1: Glad to be here. And uh, of course, that's uh, great to hear. Thanks a lot.
0: Uh, I think you deserve it. <laughs> Let's see um, how it goes uh, with this podcast. Uh, since I think not all of our listeners are as deeply or involved into DeFi, uh, especially as, as you are, uh, I think let's start with some some very basic uh, questions about DeFi. If I ask you a very broad question, not easy to answer, I know because it's so broad, but what's DeFi? What does it comprise in your view?
1: I mean, if we take a step back, uh, the uh, what DeFi means is uh, decentralized finance, right? So... It's basically the idea that you can decentralize finance, meaning you don't need that many middlemen uh, as is in the case in legacy and traditional finance. Uh, you can create uh, exchanges without having banks and market makers, at least uh, active centralized corporate market makers in the middle. You can do most of your banking, be it uh, retail or investment banking, um, based on. Uh, decentralized uh, applications, uh, dApps and uh, protocols that um, maybe have people staking, uh, have staking mechanisms and um, uh, yield rewards for those that make sure that uh, it's working the way it's supposed to be. Um, but that's not even necessary. DeFi as a term seems to have gotten quite uh, quite more open, qu- uh, seems to be quite more awake, but um, Marketplaces in general uh, fall under the term of DeFi by now. Um, as long as they are blockchain based, as long as they are decentralized. Uh, if we look at, for example, Augur or YFI or um, synthetics, these are some very, very different projects and they all might be called DeFi uh, where Augur has been around for a very long time and um, like was a, one of the big... Projects people had high hopes for during the ICO boom, 2016, 2017, and to make it simple, it's basically a marketplace for bets on anything. So if you can, if you can define a bet, um, you can uh, trade it. You can um, you can put it online. You can put it on the blockchain. You can uh, try to find a counterparty that will take it from you and uh, that will bet against you so you can bet on the weather tomorrow in a certain city you can bet on uh, traditional stuff like uh, who will win the champions league you can bet on pretty much anything um on the other hand you have um let's say more classical financial um projects like decentralized exchanges which um, as the name implies are exchanges that are decentralized not centralized like uh, coinbase or binance for example and um, that's basically people are trading with each other um, in a in a somewhat trustworthy environment based on uh, the tech that enables them to trade there and not so much based on trusting, for example, um, uh, their bank, um, their own bank, trusts the bank of the counterparty and the counterparty trusts again, uh, the bank of the counterparty trusts the counterparty once again. So you have uh, four people of four, Um, instances involved at least Um, of course there's others normally in between and the idea is that you can cut those banks um, out of the picture and uh, enable those two counterparties to trade directly with each other so and yeah uh, YFI for example is a a kind of tool to um, participate in other DeFi projects in a, a decentralized way in an aggregated way so while DeFi, maybe by the most narrow definition, just means decentralized finance um, in a blockchain context and um, in the current market, it's uh, probably, there are probably more projects that are being called DeFi than most people would expect.
0: Ah, Okay, that, that's very insightful because I think most people associate DeFi either with, uh, or I with, with a mix of, of stablecoins as a currency component Decentralized exchanges, as you already mentioned, and other things. Okay, this is our new money markets because crypto lending and borrowing uh, became quite popular. Other things. Okay, trading derivatives is or margin trading uh, is 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 another application. But I, I think it's very interesting that you point to a to a much broader definition um, uh, of DeFi. Uh, but let's let's maybe go back to the more narrow uh, view of the really the, the FI uh, in uh, in DeFi. Uh, what drives the market? Why is there this DeFi craze currently?
1: I mean, what drives the market? I think is better to answer than uh, what drives the craze, uh, of course, because uh, that's a uh, that's a whole other topic. Um, what drives the market is, of course, money. It's uh, incentives. Uh, People who want to make money and for those that are tech savvy enough and for those that have been around for a while, um, it's a great opportunity. Um, protocols, uh, let's say, uh, many DeFi projects, at least the ones that are very successful, um, are the successful because they offer great rewards. Uh, with new projects popping up, there's always a very high risk involved. Um, these are generally non-audited um, neither the code nor who's behind it who's behind uh, the code who's behind um, whatever is necessary to keep that thing running um, so of course the rewards need to be uh, in line with the risk and if you have new things popping up like uh, uh, I mean Uniswap is not new now but let's say still Sushi SushiSwap um, there's I think it's a Good way of visualizing what drives DeFi. Um, if to compare Uniswap and Sushi Swap, and how something that seems maybe from an outsider's perspective so similar uh, can still uh, can still, even though the service it delivers is not that different, based on incentive mechanisms, um, garner huge attention and um, large amounts of money. Um, so Uniswap is um, is kind of the market leader right now when it comes to decentralized exchanges. It's um, sitting at around 1.6 billion US dollars locked in uh, in Uniswap, uh, and Sushi Swap is kind of the new contender. Um, whereas Sushi Swap, uh, where Uniswap offers um, 3% of um, the transactions, basically of the fees um, to the people that make sure that the uh, the service keeps running, to those uh, staking, uh, Sushi Swap. Only offers 2.5 percent to those that make sure that it keeps keeps going, uh, while offering 0.5 percent um, to the owners of the Sushi Swap Sushi token. So it's a it's clearly showing how the incentive mechanism is here. The you own this token, and therefore you basically get rewarded forever as long as Sushi Swap is being used, as long as transactions happen. And um, might seem like a small difference. But uh, 0.5% is uh, a lot when you look at uh, billions and billions of volume Um, and hopefully going forward, of course, um, that's going to grow massively. So um, while we're still early on in the development of the decentralized finance market, um, contenders to what seems to already be um, established players like uh, Uniswap, also with a large investment from uh, Coinbase's uh, uh, investment entity. Um, can still completely be um, uh, replaced, can still completely be dethroned by new contenders with just slight variations in the incentive mechanism.
0: I think that's very interesting. I mean, we have decentralized exchanges for a longer time, Zero X and, and, and others, but, but Uniswap uh, like um, popped up. Out of nothing, um, in a very short and a very short time. To a certain extent, it's due to the uh, very simplistic or very easy to use uh, UI. Is there any other reason why you think Uniswap uh, made it, whereas others are uh, have been more moderately developing over the over the last couple of, of of years? I would say. Um,
1: I mean, yeah, uh, I I was there for East Delta and uh, the let's say earlier uh, decentralized exchanges but of course um, in let's say entrepreneurial endeavors and the, this kind of new uh, projects developing you always only need one reason to succeed right and it's easy to point at the thousand reasons why something shouldn't work or something didn't work and it's easy to look at past um look at teams that tried in the past, look at projects that kind of went uh, with the wrong side up uh, in the past and say, um, that, hey, it didn't work because the mechan- the incentive mechanism was wrong. It uh, didn't work because there was no demand for such a service at the time. didn't work because we were in a bear market, because things were m- looking grim for crypto maybe. Uh, markets were moving sideways, if not downwards. For a long period of time, like the past two years have been have been quite demanding let's say um, for those uh, who knew that uh, DeFi projects have value and were willing to sit on for example uh, 0x or Augur or the likes for a long period of time but why Uniswap succeeded right now and uh, others haven't over the years I think it's timing Um, that's the most important part it's a combination of, um, yeah, rising prices overall, uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, I think, I mean, uh, the vast majority of Bitcoin holders and Ethereum holders are making money at current prices. Um, there have been shakeouts for the past two years, and there have been consolidations, there have been massive price corrections, but right now we're sitting at uh, quite interesting prices even for let's say the long tail investors that kind of came in during the ICO boom at the end of 2017 and i think that's very important of course to create fomo and uh, both those things uh, price development which in turn creates fomo is important for media attention with rising media attention come more investors comes more attention comes more fomo and it's a it's a reinforcing loop kind of um, that then drives more adoption and that would be uh, that's my best explanation because I don't believe it's a complete technological um, advancement that's like years ahead that's um, single-handedly um, making things happen in DeFi right now and um, driving market prices in all of crypto up again um, I think it's, it's timing mostly
0: Okay, so it's kind of combination of timing and and a good easy to use uh, UI um, most probably. Um, the difference between UniSwap and SushiSwap, uh, you explained it partly from an incentive um, uh, perspective. If they are, do you think SushiSwap? Uh, I mean with some volatility it also sh- shot to the roof right if we look at the, uh, the token price is sushi swap overtaking uniswap um or uh, will they be on par or how do you think th- this whole sphere is going to evolve or will there be some kind of aggregator one inch for example uh, who provides the best prices um um, for, for a couple of, of DAXes. How do you think this is going to develop in the future?
1: I would definitely not write anyone off right now. And I also don't think it's a good idea to make predictions here on who might be the last one standing, because I think we're very early on in this development and uh, this market development. And I think there will be many more contenders, uh, contenders popping up. Also believe that uh, with uh, Coinbase's investment in Uniswap, and um, they won't be the only ones who want exposure to or more exposure to DeFi projects. So I believe we will also see um, more rivaling, let's say, rivaling projects um, to these uh, decentralized exchanges um, by centralized exchanges, by centralized players. Um, I mean the current big. Increase in capital locked up in Uniswap is uh, for a large amount um, due to Sushi Swap because of this um, mechanism once again. That uh, basically, if you already um, uh, stake towards the uh, Sushi Swap uh, pool, basically on Uniswap, um, you get ten times the rewards for two weeks leading up to launch. Whereas then later, once everything moves over to Sushi Swap, it's uh, yeah, uh, well, just one times the reward for Sushi Swap. And this drives investments that uh, it, this makes it look like investment is being driven into Uniswap. But in two weeks, um, when it properly launches Sushi Swap, um, a lot of that will leave, and um, then we will properly see Sushi Swap on the rankings and see how much value is going to be locked up there. So it's very hard to say, and uh, I, I'm just I'm very optimistic on the whole space, um, which is uh, why I also participate in, uh, not just one where I, uh, would predict, uh, one winner, but, um, I invest more, uh, into the market as a whole, into the Potential champions as a whole.
0: Okay, so you need a basket, especially in this very early uh, portfolio, very early uh, stages of of the, of the market development. You talked about uh, decentralized exchanges. One other, um, I would say, big momentum comes from lending and borrowing. Right out of the nine, nine point something or ten billion locked in uh, value in DeFi, out of this, uh, around four a billion is with um, with lending. Uh, Providers, who, who is operating in the lending business?
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's it's really nice to see that um, I was very early uh, in participating in Maker, and it's you know for the past two years I've been kind of hard on uh, believers in DeFi, as I already mentioned. So uh, in like late 2018, Maker was looking pretty dire, I guess, uh, from uh, looking at the looking at the market development. Of course, the tech behind most uh, debts wasn't worse just because prices um, completely dropped uh through the floor and but it's great to see maker actually being on top and uh, performing well it's like one and a half billion or something being locked up in uh in maker alone and of course then you've got uh, the let's say newer players like compound and uh, aave uh, which yeah uh which also uh, have uh, huge amounts of value locked up. Uh, I think AF is like about as much as make a compound, maybe half as much. And uh, a lot is happening here, um, similar to, um, similar to um, other yield farming uh, mechanisms um, that have seen major adoption. It's all about the risk reward ratio, right? So um, you see sometimes maybe two percent uh, a day reward for the most high yielding um, lending uh, opportunities so of course that compounds uh, like crazy um, but at the same time you have to look at how collateralized are loans um, who are you actually lending to even if you go um, through Binance um, you have to see um, how is Binance actually involved if you um, lend money for margin trading for example And um, who needs to default in order for you to lose your capital? Um, does, the, does the exchange have to default? Um, does the counterparty that actually borrows the money have to default? Um, for example, if you stay on Binance, um, and who are you actually um, entering uh, agreement with? Who are you actually lending it to and who's, and who's involved in this deal? Um, with um, more decentralized applications like Maker, it's, um, it's different. So you really need to, I think, look at... Um, each lending uh, operation individually. Um, Otherwise, you might get burned quite fast. Um, There's, of course, collateralized loans, there's uncollateralized loans. And uh, both these also can be differentiated quite a lot, again, in how they're collateralized, um, to which extent and um, which mechanisms are in place to make sure that um, the entire thing can start burning and uh, you can actually get your money back out.
0: Yeah, I think a lending space is. Uh, I now don't want to differentiate between DeFi to decentralized lending and centralized lending, but um, let's give a benchmark from centralized lending. You 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 earn like six percent on your Bitcoin or your Ethereum, which is a comparably high rate. First of all, second, very interesting for people who hold buy and hold uh, these assets, so they can earn. Uh, some additional money and at the same time the price of the asset is is rising so it's from a user perspective uh, uh, quite interesting and i think uh, the DeFi uh, lending venues are um, especially interesting if it comes to to stable coins Um, i think uh, if you go for example on compound you can get like eight, nine percent for uh, USDT, uh, for example. So this is, I think, um, uh, quite substantial, which is happening there, and I think that 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 also drives the market. There is a real benefit for the people uh, who know uh, how to do this, which are most probably uh, bigger players like whales who uh, who work uh, with this yield farming or, or any arbitrage uh, possibilities, but. Um, let me ask you a different question. Um, I hear it from a couple of colleagues, friends. I always say, huh, I have seen this before. It's the same thing here with DeFi as it was with, with ICOs in whatever, 2016 Also, uh, uh, Do you think we're talking about something substantial here? Or do you think this is um, something... Which is more like a, a pump and dump scheme, which we see uh, in the DeFi market.
1: On the one hand side, it's definitely not a pump and dump. There's simply uh, too much momentum behind it. Um, there's too many players. It's not, a, it's not a couple dozen wallets involved. It's not a couple hundred. Um, this is a lot of money um, from a lot of players and especially a lot of communities being built around many of these projects. Um, there's, there's There are good exchanges happening. Um, People are building things. People are auditing smart contracts. And Projects are very active. Um, if you go into the Discord servers, uh, developers are very active, communicating uh, very well. Uh, for example, Sushi Swap, um, it's uh, things are happening. Um, there's someone behind it who really cares. Um, developer communications, as I said on Discord, are great. And this is definitely not a pump and dump. That's for sure. Um, is it? But is it? Uh, is it um, fair to draw uh, direct uh, analogies with 2016, 2017? Um, I would definitely say yes and no. On the one hand side, um, what happened 2016, 17? Um, we had we had huge amounts of money flowing into the crypto space, flowing through Bitcoin, mostly into Ethereum, from Ethereum into ERC twenty tokens. Um, for um, yeah, whatever reason, like. Um, on a, a technical and maybe purely uh, legal uh, perspective, a viewpoint, it, most investors, in quotes, didn't get anything. And they didn't get any promises, any rights, uh, any titles uh, to assets, to dividends, to uh, ownership of uh, a company or anything. Um, but they were hoping on prices to increase, which kept happening, um, of course. Um, we still have not passed or even reached um, the all-time highs for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, but overall, the market looks way healthier to me this time around. Like in 2017, we had lots of FOMO, oh, lots probably. of fear of missing out. Um, media um, feels like outputs was at an also crazy all-time high. Um, how much it was published about blockchain, about crypto... And the narrative was it's going to keep going up. It's going to be the next big thing. Bitcoin is going to replace gold. Uh, Ethereum is going to be the world computer. And of course, nothing of that has happened so far. But it's not that it completely collapsed. It's just that two years were kind of a bit slow, let's say it like that. Um, Bitcoin is back at almost 12,000 US dollars. Ethereum is at around 450. It was like 470, 480 yesterday. I think it was like four forty this morning, um, so it's prices are going up rapidly. Of course, these um, these DeFi uh, coins and uh, representations are rising way faster than uh, than Bitcoin and Ethereum um, because, and that's where many people again draw the analogy um, to ICO projects, and they're like the direct, uh, the, the concrete new technology where lots of money is flowing into that offer high returns. And in looking at it like this, there is definitely um, there are definitely many parallels to 2016, 2017. Um, now, at which stage when we compare to the last type are we? That's, I think, the more interesting question. And I would say we are still very early. Um, it's very, very hard for people to actually invest in uh, DeFi. It's uh, the easiest way is probably just to go through uh, centralized exchanges like Binance and then um, just buy Bitcoin and then buy, uh, uh, buy Maker, buy uh, Compound or whatever, buy Wi-Fi and then just hold it. But if you actually wanna stake, if you actually wanna farm yield, um, I don't think it's even, I don't think it's even accessible for most people in the blockchain space. And those are normally the first people to get into a, a new hype, into a new market, because they then flow of information goes past them first. Then maybe to finance people, the finance industry, then maybe to generally people who are investing actively, and then to just generally wealthy individuals that are more well informed, and then kind of goes to a long tail, um, who just kind of uh, passively see something and um, it's kind of grows on them and they might decide to um, participate because they see prices going up like crazy. And if you see this as like this um, flowing river of information, then it's just past the maybe let's say most tech savvy blockchain enthusiasts right now and um, only slowly, slowly approaching the field of uh, more general people who are into finance.
0: Yeah, I think it's good that you differentiate between the the traditional asset space, which is Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, and the the applications running on top of it, the, the DeFi DeFi one. I think the volatility in Bitcoin is is much lower than currently the volatility in any of the DeFi assets. But obviously, the alpha, if we'll talk uh, traditional financial, uh, in traditional financial terms, is much higher in the in the DeFi space. Um, but from from uh, listening to you is like currently the whales are really using DeFi, right? And doing yield farming and benefiting from, from arbitrage. Uh, if the whole thing becomes more open to, let's say, I would say even retail users, that's what um, will cause uh, the market to, to further grow, right? Uh, if, if I'll um, summarize in a nutshell what you're saying, right?
1: I mean, not directly. For me, whales are around maybe more than a thousand Bitcoin uh, at their disposal. And I don't even think we're at that point. I think um, a lot of the community, a lot of the people staking, a lot of the people uh, farming yield are uh, way smaller than that. Um, They might put in a five digit US dollar amount, but um, I would not consider those people uh, whales. It's more, as I said, very tech-savvy people in the blockchain sector that are very active with these protocols. Of course, also whales, but it's not it's not just whales. That's the, I think, most important point to differentiate uh, the current situation uh, from a pump and dump. When a pump and dump, it would really just be a few uh, very major players who make things happen and hope that some people jump on. And that's definitely not the case right now.
0: Okay, yeah, no, uh, I agree. Maybe my statement uh, went a little bit. I had a little bit cr- uh, crypto lending in um, in in mind, and this has a centralized and a DeFi component, and this is why I was mentioning the way. But I think a very good uh, analogy. Uh, but since since we also um, have a view here from an institutional or professional investor's perspective, handles money for for other people. Can we talk about about the risks? Also, it's an early market, very early stage um, development in DeFi. uh, And and early markets always bear a lot of risks. That's fully clear. But can you let us know um, where do you think certain shakeups might happen or where there are barriers or things which uh, can be seen as risks in the DeFi space?
1: I believe you need to know what you want to do first. Um, do you really want to um, farm yield? Um, are you fully aware of the tax implications also of that in your uh, jurisdiction, with which might be uh, very non-favorable? And then, of course, are you willing to um, invest the time that is necessary to do that properly? Um, I don't think you should really get into stuff like sushi swap if you are not um, like monitoring it not even daily, but like many hours per day to know what's going on. Like just today um, in SushiSwap lost like 30% 30 in value again, which isn't that, of course, needs to fit your investment thesis and needs to fit into your risk profile, but things can happen fast. As new projects pop up, people make lots and lots of money and uh, lots of money pumps into uh, projects just for... uh, critical security flaw to be discovered within 24 hours and uh, most of the money flowing out immediately and um, the though the money of those that weren't there uh, fast enough being stuck and um, being almost worthless so um, it it really really depends on what you're willing to uh, to do in order to participate and i believe for of course most uh, asset managers most uh asset managers in the crypto space especially it probably makes more sense to invest in two ethereum tokens uh, of these DeFi projects which makes also custody um, very easy because um, well pretty much all of them are running on the ethereum chain so your uh, custody solution will most likely support uh, support the uh, projects you want to get into and then of course you need to still know which projects don't have like any inflationary mechanism that's going to eat your life if you don't uh, do anything actively with your um, tokens. Um, But if you take care of all of that and you're fully aware of what you're doing, um, then I think a diversified, well-diversified and balanced portfolio um, of the um, most promising DeFi projects that you're going to keep rebalancing, of course, according to market developments and new projects popping up is less risky than most people will probably give it credits. At least I believe so. And uh, a properly diversified portfolio in the DeFi space here will most, also will almost certainly outperform uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin for the foreseeable future. And of course, I'm not talking about many, many years. I'm talking about uh, for the next couple quarters.
0: Okay, that's, um, that, that's a good statement. Maybe adding and, and summing the risk part a little bit up. Um, is uh, taxation? There are some uncertainties depending in which jurisdiction uh, you you operate. How is lending treated? Uh, how will stablecoins be treated in this uh, in this respect? Uh, another point is I don't know that you mentioned it. Mean uh, there might be issues with smart contracts because we are in the DeFi space; everything is automated. Certain things can happen. Um, you, mess, you mentioned custody. Yeah, Um, so so, uh, we are not necessarily uh, talking to players here who fulfill the highest uh, standards of of, of custody. I mean, this is a generalization. There are some who have high custody requirements, but you really need to look uh, if you would do uh, a DeFi. I don't mean investing, but um, in this case, if you're a user of DeFi, um, how good is the custody of the... um, uh, of the of of the of the provider and then I think also nothing is insured uh, yet but but this is brings me to to another question Uh, uh, I mean risks are always there if you want to have returns you have to go uh, you have to try to mitigate your risk put it like this but either from a risk or from a market perspective how do you see the the mid to long term uh, development will there be further technical development, which is particularly interesting um, that you can foresee now already? I
1: and mean, definitely it's good that you mention that. I believe, of course, it's important to uh, see market developments and also hedge accordingly. Of course, hedging is kind of different maybe, or not very different, but uh, the assets that you use for hedging are obviously different than in legacy finance. So if you see, for example, um, DeFi um, increasing in volume and um, Ethereum gas prices reaching new all-time highs basically uh, almost every day, uh, then obviously uh, cross-chain interoperability protocols, um, things like uh, polka dots become more interesting and might um, move to the fore of the pack. And therefore, it's a way of of hedging your portfolio a little bit. Um, Overall, the markets, as in the DeFi market, I think will continue to grow for the foreseeable future. Um, we will see um, rapid growth, um, I feel quite confident in saying, for uh, at least a couple more months um, before major corrections are happening. Of course, um, you also need to see how volatile crypto historically is and that it's completely... You need to be able to tolerate losing 50%, 60% of your... Um, of your um, invested asset value um, in a day or maybe two, Um, that happens, uh, happens all the time. Ethereum dropping from 480 US dollars to maybe 410 should not scare you. And uh, of course a lot less if something like that happens for uh, a DeFi uh, projects. So I believe a well-balanced portfolio in the DeFi space will continue to Grow rapidly and massively, um, and I believe that, as I mentioned earlier, based on this idea of um, how investors get into the market and uh, what types of investors are in so far, um, how momentum is developing between uh, uh, capital in the space, uh, price increases with uh, in the projects and of the projects. And uh, media attention and, of course, how the narrative uh, develops based on these. And I believe that FOMO is still building uh, very rapidly. Um, More and more people want to get into it. Um, If you have uh, a few news aggregators and sentiment aggregators, uh, for example, uh, scraping social media like uh, Reddit forums or just uh, more popular YouTube uh, channels, you realize that um, many, many mainstream, let's say, influencers um, are really covering crypto again and that hasn't happened in a while. Um, You have large YouTube channels with millions of subscribers that normally talk about uh, economics in general or uh, uh, very different topics um, all of a sudden pick up crypto again, um, but not in this scammy shady sponsored new token offering way, but more broadly and what's happening in crypto blockchain has become mainstream without most people noticing it. It's being used, things are happening and this is for me a very clear indicator that, uh, well, sentiment is moving in the right direction. And um, as long as this flow of narrative um, flows into the right direction and the narrative uh, keeps growing, the sentiment is positive. Um, more and more people will try to uh, make some money in the DeFi space. And therefore they need to buy Bitcoin, they need to buy Ethereum, and uh, they need to buy then if they want to really profit um Many of these DeFi tokens that will lead to a lot of capital, I believe, uh, flowing into the market. And that, of course, uh, drives prices massively. I believe we are really in the first couple of months of something that might very well be a year-long rally.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, a very clear statement from the market side. Let let me add uh, uh, maybe a little bit from from the technology side. Uh, I mentioned in the risk space that there is no insurance, but technology evolved there also at light speed. If we look at that Why finance why yearn so they're offering Y insurance now a decentralized uh, insurance uh, package for for um, exchanging coins so everything in this space is moving fast really at light speed uh, if you would compare this to traditional finance we'd sometimes see things happen in one tenth one or one hundredth of of the time we see elsewhere so a very very um, cool, Discussion uh, with you, very insightful, uh, Simon. Thank you very much um, for uh, joining me in this uh, episode here. And um, to all our listeners, um, yes, uh, very happy uh, that you joined us today. Um, stay loyal, stay tuned for our next titled Investment Talk.